Hi, everybody. This is Sharman Smith with your weekly Taming the Titta. I'm your one of your many 2020 Democratic candidates for president. I'm one of the 20 people who are out there swinging for the fences trying to get the DNC's nomination so that we all get the opportunity to come on the debate stage and talk about our ideas and our plans to change the country and make it a better place and also for the ultimate goal of being able to debate Donald Trump on stage. Everybody has a dream and this is mine. I'm the author of the book, Taming the Titta. This is a fictional story about politics, religion, and a reality TV show. I self-published the book six months before Trump announced his campaign and much of what I wrote played out in real life, just not the way I wrote it. I wrote a beautiful, uniting story about uh, bringing the world and the nation together behind the common cause of eradicating pedophilia and ending sexual abuse and assault in our lifetime, not in our children's lifetime or our grandchildren's lifetime. But right now, we're all capable of solving this problem if we come together. It's one of the many things that uh, is a problem in our country and our society today. And I really do think that the death penalty for pedophiles is the one thing that brings two-thirds of the voting population together, and it opens the door for us to resolve the rest of the issues that keep us divided. As long as we are divided, they can conquer us, and the powers that be that make the most money off of our hard work absolutely do not want us coming together to solve our problems, because then they will actually have to deal with the force that we are. We are the 99%. There's more of us than there is of them. And as long as they can get us to fight with each other, they can do whatever they want behind our backs because we're too busy fighting with each other to pay attention to what they're doing. We get bits and pieces of it every day when we hear about secret deals and votes that took place after one o'clock in the morning when not everybody could be there and there's no news publication about it. It's part of the the joy that comes with being an American and living in an environment where our politicians have completely been able to corrupt our government. And, and, and speaking as someone who wants to get into politics and has talked to many people who have considered running for office before, none of us really know how many times they, these politicians have to sell their soul to get through something that they really care about, whether it's health care or uh, better wages or whatever it is that the politicians stumped for that got them in the door. We know that they have to do many things just to compromise and, and to move the government forward. And, and we know many of them aren't willing to do it. We know a lot of them will just throw their hands up in the air and take their ball and go home. And it's gotten us into this situation now where it's it's almost impossible to get anything done. and The things that are getting accomplished don't seem to be for the benefit of the American people, the 99%, which is most of us, certainly me. And as, as we move into this major political season, we're starting to hear all the different people who want to be part of making those decisions, and, and they think that they can solve our problems and unite us and 
uh, what I see more often than anything is each of them creating more division. And as sad as that makes me, at least people are participating in the process and, and more people are participating now than ever before. And that's what makes it possible for someone like me, who's an absolute nobody, just a mom and an author and a wife and an American citizen who truly cares to step into the field because the normal rules no longer apply and just swing for the fences. I like to say that I'm too conservative for my liberal friends and too liberal for my conservative friends. I'm swinging straight up the middle and nobody's pitching to me. And now while so many politicians want to take their ball and go home, I've got a ball and I'd like to play and I'd like to see who'd like to come play with me. If you're interested in, in me and the things that I have to say, you can find out more about me at charmansmith.com. You can also go to Act Blue and search for Charmin, just like the toilet paper only with an S. I'm the only Charmin running for president, I promise. And donate $1 to my campaign. Every Democratic candidate, in order to qualify for the debate, has to receive 65,000 individual donations from 65,000 different people. It's not how much money they bring in, it's how many people they get to support them. For the 2016 elections, the Republicans had to buy their way on stage. It cost a million bucks a person to talk on that stage. In 2020, the Democrats are doing it a different way. They want 65,000 people to say, hey, I like you and I'd like to see you on that stage and hear what it is that you have to say. And I'd like to be one of those people. There's plenty in the, in the field right now, and there's a lot of really good candidates with great ideas. There's no reason we shouldn't have one more in the field. And now, especially when the, the normal rules no longer apply, thank you, Donald Trump, uh, I think it's I think what people are really looking for is a regular American citizen, somebody who knows what it is like to struggle and suffer in our society, in our economy that has been raised and and raised their kids in public schools. You know, someone that crawled up from out of the pit and wants to fight for the rest of us because we know exactly what it takes to crawl up from out of the pit. And that's really been the story of my life. I was born in the projects. I own a historic mansion, and I know exactly what it takes to crawl from one place to the other and how to survive and help people lift themselves up along the way. And as we move through this political, this political season and we start getting into everyone's ideas of, of how they, they change policies and improve our country, I am not a big fan of recreating the wheel. I am a much bigger fan of finding the, the broken parts of the system, oiling them, and getting it moving smoothly again. And I'd like to give an example of the, one of the biggest places we could have immediate wins within our budget, within our um, society, and the way we care for our fellow citizens. And that is this concept of Medicare for all. Right now, in our government, Medicare is fully funded through our individual payroll deductions that come out of everybody's paycheck. If you're working, if you're paying taxes, if you're self-employed, everybody pays into this system. 
But the way it's set up right now, most people will never actually get to use the system because you have to be very old or half dead. And even if you do get to use the system, it, it only covers 80% of your medical expenses. So it doesn't solve all of your problems. And it's time for us to reevaluate the way we handle healthcare in our country. It is absolutely possible for every American citizen to have quality healthcare and to have it be paid for with the system that is already in place to collect the funds and provide the care to each person. The idea that many of us are paying up to $8,000 a year for healthcare that we don't get to utilize is just unreasonable. The, the, one of the reasons why I didn't like Obamacare is because it required an additional fee in order to get healthcare. On top of these taxes, we're already paying for healthcare we don't get to use. A, a lot of people don't realize that our, our healthcare dollars all come from the same place. All of us are taking our taxes and we're paying them to the government and we pay a specific Medicare deduction of 1.85%. Now it is capped. If you make over, I believe it's $135,000 a year, you only pay that 1.85% on that $135,000 a year. It is time for us to remove the cap and require that 1.85% to be paid on everything that someone makes. And it is time for us to allow our citizens the ability to utilize that insurance now. Many people don't realize with all these different healthcare programs, and let's just count them out real quick. We've got Medicare, we've got Medicaid, we've got TRICARE, which is what the active duty military use. We've got the VA, we've got Obamacare, we, we have a ton of different programs that are all being funded from the same dollars. Each of these programs has their own set of red tapes, rules, bureaucracies, employees to manage them. There is, there is no reason for us to have multiple government health care programs and only be able to fund portions of them when we could combine everything into one program and fund it fully and take care of our citizens completely. The idea that we can't take care of our military veterans after the commitment that they have made to our country, their families, the health care needs that they require for the remainder of their life after the commitment that they've made to us should not be up for political debate and should not be for discussion. We, we use our citizens against each other. And as long as we are divided, they can continue to conquer us. And it is time for us to come together in one bubble together and fight for, for one united cause. As long as we continue to fight about Medicare and Medicaid and Obamacare and TRICARE as separate issues, we're going to keep fighting and complaining. As soon as we come together with the concept that all of these are a 
our government health care, and they can all be fully funded so that every citizen receives the quality of care that they deserve, that makes them healthy and more productive and better members of our society. That's when we come together and we solve the problem for the benefit of everyone. We're already paying for all of these programs. There's no reason for us to continue fighting with each other when we have the ability to resolve them, make them more inclusive, streamlined, uh, more financially feasible for our, our country to pay for. Some of these expenses, one of the things that I have learned through the last couple of years is there are people who have multiple government health care programs, right? You can have Medicare because of Social Security disability, and you can be military and have TRICARE and also receive access to the VA. The idea that one person can tap into multiple government health care plans and still not fully fund their government or fund their health care needs is insane to me. And the idea that we can't provide care to each one of our citizens, but some people get extra and more than they could possibly ever use doesn't work for me either. I'm not interested in creating a new healthcare system. I'm interested in combining our system so that it's more effective, it's uh, more cost effective. It takes better care of our citizens and it provides them with everything that we need. And I'm not just talking about the basic healthcare needs. I'm talking about dental and vision and hearing and chiropractic care and massage care and speech therapy. There are things that each person needs in order to be the best citizen and American they can be. And that's what our healthcare should do. And that's how it should, how, in my opinion, we should be utilizing these social services that we already have set up for our country into our best and most effective benefits. The, this idea that, that uh, not everybody deserves healthcare and if you're sick, it's your own problem is part of what keeps us at war with each other. When we, when we put aside our ideas about how it's going to get paid for and who's going to do this and who's going to pay for that, and we just ask ourselves, do we want this cancer patient to get care? Do we want this, this child to have speech therapy? Is it, is it important for us to know that every kid gets, uh, immunizations, vaccinations, these things all come into play and we have to think about the good of our country and all of our citizens. Vaccinations are a difficult topic. Nobody really wants to dive into them, but nobody wants to deal with a measles outbreak either. We don't want to talk about Planned Parenthood, because that might make people feel uncomfortable, but we also don't want to talk about providing um, medical care for millions of people who can't afford to provide or take care of their babies. For me, this is all about connecting the dots. And when we're all together fighting under the same bubble for the same thing, for all of our care and all of our best interests, because we pay enough money already to be able to afford it, that's where my heart is. That's what my goal is. It's my desire to bring our country together and to make it 
more affordable and easier for all of us to succeed. When we work together, we can create anything. As long as we're divided, we will continue to be conquered by the people who do not want us to succeed. They're not interested in creating a smart, healthy, well-educated society. They're not sending our jobs to other countries that have better education or healthcare systems. They have figured out how to continue to legalize uh, slavery. As long as companies can take our jobs from our country to another country where they can pay somebody a buck a day and they don't have to care about their health care, they will. When we come together and we fight for everyone's best interests, not just the best interests of all of our citizens, but yes, we need to take care of our own first. But when we start fighting to elevate the standard of living and the care of the people in the countries our companies want their products to be produced in, we force our companies to stay and play with us. If as long as they can take their ball to a country where they can get something made for a dollar a day, they're not going to want to talk to people in our country about $10 an hour. We have to decide that fighting for other people is just as important as fighting for ourselves. It was one of the hardest lessons that I had to learn. Uh, I come from a very difficult environment. I could easily say that I was raised by the worst of the worst. I, I even heard an idea the other day that people should have to get licenses to have children and then licenses to raise children. I'm certainly comfortable with the concept that just because somebody can have children doesn't mean they should. And this idea that we can continue to defeat each other and tear each other down and somebody else doesn't deserve to be happy or to be healthy or to be successful. This is, this is part of what we have to do together to elevate each other in order for ourselves to succeed. This, this idea that we can't hold each other down for someone else to be successful is, is part of the connection that I hope to bring together for all of us. As long as we're willing to work together and to unite across the board for our issues, we can accomplish everything that we need. Um, my name is Sharman Smith. You can find more information about me at SharmanSmith.com. You're welcome to buy a copy of my book on Amazon. It's called Taming the Titta. I'll be back in just a few moments.
And hello, this is Sharman Smith again, back with Taming the Tita. I'm a 2020 Democratic candidate for president, and I'm here to talk to you about all the new things and everything that's going on in our country. One of the things that I am big about is um, bringing the death penalty and harder, harder, harsher punishments to sexual predators, uh, violent rapists, and especially pedophiles, anybody who sexually abuses a child. That is a topic that's very close to my heart and something that I think it is, is time for us to shine a light on, that when we start discussing it openly and publicly, we will be able to stop this nightmare once and for all. It is uh, something that's close and personal to my own heart. I have done a, a lot of research on this, and it's my knowledge that one in four women will be sexually abused before they turn 18, and one in six boys. Now, those numbers are huge, and the, the reality is, is that this is the most underreported crime in our history. It is uh, the largest group of people in the world. Uh, anytime we can get the survivors we, and we see it now, especially with the Me Too movement. Anytime we can get sexual assault survivors to come together and share their stories and fight for the end of the sexual assault, I believe we will be better for a country and our, our world as a whole. Uh, right now, we are seeing uh, across the country and the world a, a very interesting response to a tragic event that took place this week. Uh, the Cathedral of Notre Dame burned in Paris, and many people are talking about what a, a, a devastating loss this is for history and for humanity and society. And it is absolutely devastating the architecture and the quality of craftsmanship that has been lost and will, will never be able to be duplicated no matter how much money is donated or made available. But it has certainly brought up a very interesting topic of conversation. Within 24 hours of Notre Dame burning, two billionaires stepped up and donated $300 million apiece. And Within within 24 hours, Notre Dame had more than half of what it needed to be rebuilt. I, I do know that the Catholic Church is desperately struggling to fund all the settlements that they owe people for years of sexual assault. But I find it strange, especially from our president, that he's willing to step up and donate money to Notre Dame, but not willing to take care of Flint or Puerto Rico. And I know there's plenty of people who are upset about it, but I certainly find it interesting that billionaires are willing to step up and help the Catholic Church fund the, the rebuild of this iconic building, really. But... I don't know if they quite understand that in the meantime, they're also helping fund the Catholic Church in behaviors that have been <sighs> reprehensible for centuries. So as sad as I am to have seen the towers, the, the spire fall, and, and as sad as I am of the loss of Notre Dame, I am more saddened 
by the millions of victims that survive every day and have to stand by and have pity for the organization that created their misery. We live in a complicated time where taxes, don't, where churches don't pay taxes, and they benefit from all of the the joys and privileges that come with the protections of being American entities. They uh, have the access to our roads and our waterways and and all the the cool things that come with being American society. We really do have a lot of good infrastructure and some of it's old and it certainly needs to be updated and taxing the churches would make it a lot easier for us to actually do that. But while we're having these conversations, it's important for us to remember to connect all the dots. We, we, we're, we're, we're all morally ambiguous and we, we tend to try to forget the bad stuff and look at the good stuff and 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 we're all told often to forgive and forget and to turn the other cheek but it's also important for us to remember that in america where capitalism is king we speak with our dollars and money speaks louder than words and when we support the catholic church and ignore the fact that they are still struggling to support the survivors that they created, we're, we're, we're creating, we're feeding into the problem. We have to close this loop. And it has to be a situation where the Catholic Church has to pay to rebuild on their own. They need to start paying taxes in the countries where they are located. They need to stop creating an environment that protects predators. And what we've seen very frequently in the last few months is a lot of stories coming out about how church doctrine makes it possible for priests to behave the way they behave. And, and I, I, I know I'm one of those weird people because I am funny about my money and I will not pay for child sexual abuse. I just I won't. It's not something that I'm okay with. It's not something I'll tolerate. I'm not okay with forgiving and forgetting. And I suck at turning the other cheek. Am I sad to see such a, a beautiful monument lost to a tragic fire? Absolutely. Am I, am I, is my heart warmed by the stories of the priest who led the human chain to save the priceless artifacts and and the crown of thorns, and, and knowing that all these amazing, priceless Catholic artifacts have been saved that are centuries old, do, does that, is that important to me? Absolutely it is. Was, is it wonderful to hear the amazing stories that come out of people who step up to help every day? I, I love them tremendously. And we all love those stories. We should share and celebrate them, absolutely. But in the process, it's, it's, it's not possible for me personally to forget the many survivors who are struggling with how they're supposed to respond and care about Notre Dame and the wake and the knowledge that the Catholic Church hasn't cared about them or the suffering that they have created. It, it is it's important for us to speak with our money because so often our words don't matter. And as, as painful as that is, that is where we are in capitalism. As much as we would like for uh, the, the almighty dollar to come from our heart, it comes from 
um, it, it comes from our pocket and those two things aren't always connected and it is certainly time for us to start doing that it's it's time for us to put a lock on the wallet if our heart doesn't isn't in the same place we shouldn't be spending our money there and it is it is something that we're all going to have to get better at I, i'm certainly doing it all the time and it's not a fun conversation to have especially when you're out here asking people for money uh, if you're if you're interested in politics and seeing that the world comes to a change and and you know that it's going to take a tough voice to be able to step up and challenge the status quo and and question whether or not we're doing things the way we should be i hope you will consider donating a dollar to my campaign at act blue there's uh, many, many opportunities for all of us to get involved one way or another, even if it's not donating, it is participating and sharing and sharing the stories and, and the, the opportunity to bring people together. We all are, are struggling with something every day and we're <laughs> trying our best to bring people together and unite the world and, Make friends whenever possible. The, uh, the, the, this tragedy in France, and it has been amazing to see the way people have stepped up. And it has been fascinating for me to watch the response that has come from uh, the world. It, the response that, come, that has come has, has pleased me a lot because I'm not the only person who has noticed that Billionaires can quickly solve problems when they want to. If we wanted to solve the problems with Flint water, it would be solved. If we wanted to solve the problems with Puerto Rico and the, the disaster response, it would be solved. And it is incredibly painful to see how hard it is for us to solve the problems as a poor person and how easy it is to solve the problems as a wealthy person. Donald Trump made a great statement during his uh, presidential campaign for 2016. He promised to drain the swamp. And it's such a fantastic saying. I really wish I'd have known it when I wrote my book uh, in 2014. It's certainly much better than how I used a Duck Dynasty reference to explain the importance of income fluidity within the economy. Drain the swamp is a much simpler, easier phrase. But the, the message is the same. And so I'm going to share it with you before we hit our next break. I use a Duck Dynasty reference to explain the importance of income fluidity within our economy. Trump says we have to drain the swamp. There's a, there's a Duck Dynasty episode where um, Bill and Cy are going down to check some property that they just keep for hunting season because they're they're getting excited for hunting season and they're they're scoping out their land and they go and they drive to this remote section and the roads washed washed out everything's underwater it is now a swamp this should be a pasture, and it is now a swamp. So they turn around and go back down river a ways, and they find a dry riverbed. They get out. They start walking up the dry riverbed together until they eventually find 
a beaver dam. Now these two beavers have dammed up the whole river and they've kept all that water for themselves and they eventually created a swamp and flood, flooded out the pasture behind it. They're having a great time. They got all the water they could possibly need. They got all the fish they could want. And they're swimming in their swamp just as happy as they can. They've got some swamp creatures that have come around and set up camp with them as well. But they don't think they have anything to worry about because they've dammed up all the water for themselves and just left a little trickle to run down to the people down below. They starved everyone out down below. This is the concept of trickle-down economics. We have a few people who keep the bulk of the money for themselves and they just dribble a little out and trickle it down to us. We're what is downstream and dried out. The only way to solve this problem, and Phil and Cy knew it, was to blow up the beaver's dam and kill the beavers. Now, you can't exactly do that with the 1%, killing them will not exactly work out the way you intend it to. It's illegal, the nightmare, it's, nobody's interested in doing that. Though for centuries, it is important to note that we, the people, solved our problems with the billionaires with, tax, with uh, torches and, porch, and pitchforks. But now what we have is a tax system, and this trickle-down economics has a ton of money backed up for just a very few beavers to enjoy. And it is time for us to blow a hole in the dam. The quickest way for us to do that is by raising wages and changing the tax system so that it no longer benefits just a few people. The, the idea that you, you blow up this dam really is, is impossible. With the way our economy works, it, it is really not possible to fully blow up the dam, but you can poke big holes in it by raising the wage significantly and, again, correcting taxes. Taxes is a hot topic. We've just finished our first tax season with our new tax rules, and people are trying to figure out if they benefited or if not. A lot of people lost their returns and they ended up paying in more this year than they ever have before. Now is a great time to talk about the benefits of a flat percentage of taxes for everyone. There are a lot of politicians, especially a lot of Democratic politicians, who approve of this progressive tax bill where the more money you make, the higher percentage you pay. And at one point in time in our country, we had an 80% tax rate on billionaires or on millionaires. The, the wealthiest paid 80% of their income in taxes on the highest portion of money that they earned. And, and there's, there's a lot of people who believe that this system was very effective and we go back, we should go back to it. I personally believe that that system is what led us to the situation we're in now. It became cheaper to buy a politician than it was to pay your taxes. And this, this idea that you're going to get anybody to pay 80% of what they 
earn in taxes just because they're wealthy, it doesn't fly with anybody really. The, the Most Americans want to become wealthy and it certainly isn't so they can give 80% of it away. As long as the wealthy people who can make this kind of money and can buy their own politicians have to worry about this as a possibility, they're not going to want to play that game. The idea that we level the playing field by giving the same percentage of taxes to everyone is the only way to actually level the playing field. We're looking at a, a tax update right now that actually takes away tax benefits and credits for most of us 99 percenters. That housing interest, that mortgage interest credit that has been called into question, that is the biggest tax credit that most of the tax-paying citizens in our country get. And if the wealthy want to take our write-offs away from us, then it is certainly time to take their write-offs away from them. Write-offs and deductions are how the beavers create their dam. Write-offs and deductions, loopholes, the ability to close jobs in this country and send them to another country and pay people a dollar a day is what creates the dam that dams up all the money for the beavers to play in and just trickles a little bit down to us. If we really want to stop trickle-down economics, our number one focus absolutely has to be our tax system. The only way to level the playing field is to make a flat tax for everyone, the same percentage for everyone, no matter how much you make the rich, the old, the poor, and the churches. We all play here, and it's time for all of us to pay. My name's Sharman Smith. I'm a Democratic candidate for president. I've been told many times I don't sound like a Democrat. I sound like a Republican. I promise you that I am for uh, health care and abortion, and those two things absolutely disqualify me to be a Republican. I don't really think they make us that far apart. I think that there's more that unites us and brings us together than divides us. And as long as we can come to some, some basic conversations and understanding, we can unite and bring this country to the position that it should be by now, the position of respect that it deserves to have, and quite frankly, the position of respect that the rest of the world is waiting for us to take. I hope that you'll support me and donate to my campaign through Act Blue. My name is Sharman Smith. I'll be right back in just a few moments.
right, it's Charmin again. I'm back, and I've taken the first two thirds of this show, and I've been very serious because it's a very serious topic, and I do care tremendously about our country and our world. and And this campaign isn't a joke for me; it's something I absolutely want to do. But I, I know that all. All work and no play makes everybody boring, and nobody wants to deal with that for too long. So it's always fun to talk about the good things that are going on and and taking place in all of our lives. And I'd like to give this as a as a little update for for me and what's going on with um with this campaign. It's been just amazing. Uh, through this, through this process, I have met some of the most amazing people ever. Now, I've had some good experiences. I've had some bad experiences, you know, running for president and running a political campaign brings out everything in your life, even if you didn't want to deal with it. It comes to the front and you, you, you have to embrace it because it is. It's it, these types of situations that make you or break you. And if you want to get into politics, you want to get into the public opinion, you, you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to learn a lot of things about yourself and about the people around you in the process. You know, some of those things are things you're going to want to learn. Some of those things are going to be things you wish you never learned. And there's really nothing that you can do about it, but go for it and, and embrace it as it happens. So throughout this last four months, I have um, been working with many people who have come to my campaign who sought me out because of uh, their life and their traumas and their events. And they have been uh, coming to me and asking me for help. And I have been extremely fortunate to be able to open my home and my heart to uh, a couple of different people. There's uh, one wonderful girl who is a cancer patient and has been going through chemo and has been staying in my home in Ohio for the last couple of months as she gets back on her feet and uh, heals from what has just been a, a very traumatic event. It, it is, it's, it's one of the things that I don't talk about very often because I have a uh, soft spot for helping people. When I was 24, right after my parents died, they died within three months of each other, um, both of them to cancer. I became a homeless single mom for a little while, and it was uh, definitely one of the darkest, scariest times in my life. And if it hadn't have been for the kindness of strangers, I wouldn't be here today to be able to do this. I I know exactly what it's like to come from uh, not the best environment and to struggle and stumble and trip and fall and have to pick yourself up and drag yourself back up and build rebuild everything from nothing. And there's definitely a soft spot in my heart for people who are trying their best. And I, I try to help as much as I can. I, I can't help everyone, but whenever I can, I, I do try to help. It's one of the things that I definitely learned along the way. It, if it hadn't have been for the kindness of strangers, I, I wouldn't be here today. So I pay it forward every chance I get. I have been extremely fortunate to over the last 10 years since I was diagnosed with PTSD from my childhood sexual abuse, to have the opportunity to receive excellent mental health care and therapy and uh, 
anything that I needed in order to heal and learn about self-care and rebuilding my self-esteem and overcoming shame and all the pain that comes with it. Each of us survivors deal with on our own every day. I, I, I was very fortunate to really be able to dive into the therapy that made it possible for me to heal and become better and identify my triggers and my traumas and, and get the help that I needed in order to get better for me. But through this campaign, I have had many people who have come to me that are desperately in need for the same help. And I have been sharing my tips and my tricks and my techniques with survivors all over the country on a one-on-one -on -one personal level, um, helping them uh, retrace steps and reach out for documentation and gain uh, the strength to begin investigations and follow through with getting justice for them and for their friends and loved ones. It has, it has really been a challenge, um, but it's one of the best parts of my life. It's one of the hardest parts of this campaign I did not anticipate to deal with was all of the trauma survivors that would come to me and ask me for help and healing and getting the justice that they deserve. But it is, it is absolutely one of the things that I'm proudest of. It's one of the things that, that makes it possible for me to get up every day and continue doing this. Because I know as difficult as my story is for me to share, I meet people every day who have the courage to share their story too. And, and filling their bucket and filling the buckets of survivors and um, just people everywhere is, is what keeps me going and what, what keeps my spirit full. I, I know that I'm stepping into a, a dangerous environment politics, um, really a presidential campaign will bring out every possible secret that you have surrounding your life that you never could have possibly known. I remember last July when I first got into this, I was giving an interview with a, a great guy, um, J. Lewis Mills, and he asked me if I was really prepared for everything that a campaign would bring to me, the, the truth, the lies, the fear, the, the people, the scandals, the, the people who will make things up, even if it's not true, just because it's salacious and they want the opportunity. And, and you know, I got to be honest with you, he brought it up to me. I really wasn't even prepared for that to be a possibility. And I am incredibly grateful that he brought it to me as a possibility and brought my attention to it because as a, with a campaign, I have come into contact with a lot of people who have tried to defraud me. And it has been a benefit for me that I spent so many years in financial services, doing financial fraud investigations and reporting to the appropriate agencies. I certainly um, continued with those valuable skills that I've had throughout this experience and have taken the opportunity to report many scams that came across my path. I also had the opportunity to use all of my skills to double check and verify that something was accurate, something made sense, something truly was what it appeared to be. 
and, and make a very difficult decision to help someone, even though it will um, provide a great cost to me and my family. And it's not fun. It's not exciting. But it is definitely something that makes you realize who you are. You know, there are, there are times when, when you find out something about someone you know and you're just absolutely flabbergasted and shocked and you just refuse to believe it's even possible. And you stand by them and you support them no matter what. And then there are times when you hear something that you just hear and you absolutely cannot believe and you don't want it to be true and you have to make a choice because no matter how hard it is to acknowledge that it could be true you have to and no matter how difficult it is you have to stand by your morals and your values and stick to your platform and continue to prosecute and pursue justice because it's what you think is right. And it doesn't matter who the person is that's connected to you when they've done wrong, they've done wrong. And there's, there's a lot of people who won't tell, won't do that. And I think that's one of the fears about politicians. They'll do whatever it takes to protect who's ever close to them so that their loved ones don't get hurt so that their friends are protected and they'll, they'll, the moral amb ambiguity, people are morally ambiguous. They, we will justify and make excuses for people because we just can't bring ourselves to believe that something is possible. And I have had to deal with that in the last few months. It has been incredibly difficult as I have gone back through and double-checked information and confirmed stories and put together bits and pieces and connected dots. And I'm confident when it all comes out and it's all explained, my position will be the right position to have taken. And I'm confident that <coughs> stories like this that make you or break you. And I know that everything happens for a reason and that this book that this crazy book that I wrote four years ago wasn't just a, a fun little story or a glimpse into the future for me. It was preparation for the biggest event that could ever possibly happen in anyone's life, in all of our lives. I, I've heard it said from many of my spiritual friends that, that entities have been coming to Earth now in massive numbers because they're all coming to see the greatest show in the universe. And I'm confident it's the showdown between me and Trump. Everybody wants to talk about the type of personality it's going to take to beat Trump. And he don't think it's going to be crazy Bernie or Uncle Joe. And I think he's absolutely right. I don't think it's going to be either one of them two old white men. I think it's going to be this young girl right here. And I'm interested in fighting Trump for a reason, more than one. And I could not have ever possibly imagined how my life was going to connect to this story. But when it has come together, it is fascinating. It's far better than Cable. My next two books have completely written themselves. I wasn't sure how to finish this series, but The Midsummer's Nightmare is going to be <laughs> better than anything you could have ever imagined. 
And as I continue to move forward with this and share the story, at some point in time, I'm going to have to tell the whole details. And I can't wait for you to have the front row seat to the greatest show in the universe. Because this is absolutely the biggest David and Goliath battle in history. And I'm telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, Trump's going to get beat by a girl. And it's going to be this girl right here. My name is Sharman Smith. You can find me at SharmanSmith.com. You can get a copy of one of the best books that has ever been written. And truthfully, it is a better book post-election than it was pre-election. And it is all because of the fact that I wrote it beforehand and I never could have planned for them for the things to work out the way they played in reality. It, it is a much better book post-election because I, I any any similarities to actual events was unplanned. Purely coincidental, but absolutely proof that I'm on the right path when I run for, as running for president in 2020. And I hope that you'll give me an opportunity and donate to my campaign. You're more than welcome to, to donate more than a dollar, but I really am just asking for one dollar so that I can participate and qualify in the 2020 Democratic debates. I have about 65 days to get it done. And it is my only dream. Everybody has a dream. We all only have just a little spark of madness in us. And mine is to be president and unite our nation and our country and our world behind a better goal, one that makes it better for all of us. And I think together we can accomplish anything. And I refuse to believe that there's anything so wrong with this country that it can't be corrected with a little common sense and compassion. I think we can do it together. And you can find me at SharmanSmith.com. You can find my book on Amazon, Taming the Tida, T-I-D-A. You can donate to me on ActBlue. Uh, slash Sharman Smith for President 2020. Thank you very much, everyone. I look forward to speaking with you again, and I hope that you'll uh, give me an opportunity to hear me out and give me a chance to stand on that debate stage. Have a great day, and happy Easter. Mm -hmm.